have not lived. I've heard every imaginable awful thing. You can talk to me. Why is this God ask so much of us? Didn't want fear in your heart. <coughs> Who deserves to have that kind of darkness inside of their children? His life. Who yours? These are the choices we made every day. Choices made when you remember that you once had a family. Mr. Levinson, good afternoon, sir. Hi, how you doing? I am doing great. I am such a fan of yours. This is a total thrill. So thank you so much for joining me today to talk about your movie, The Survivor. No, not at all. Thank you. Based on the memories of Harry Haft, you know, Auschwitz survivor forced a box for the Nazis for their pleasure. I just kept thinking as this movie unfolded, how many untold stories are out there? Well, quite a few. Uh, <laughs> quite, quite, quite a few. And, uh, and uh, you know, so, uh, and only a, uh, only a fraction of those people, uh, those stories survive. You know, this one, because of Harry talking to his son and then the son ultimately writing a book about what took place. And I love how it not only explores Harry's fight for survival in the Nazi camps, but also explores his dealing with his trauma. You know, he's told many times, don't say anything, keep it inside. Certain words even trigger him. And as we know, not talking about it, you know, it just, it just eats him alive. And he just really shows his struggle. Well, that was the basis of why I thought it was interesting to do. Uh, because, um, you know, the camps, uh, you know, somebody said, well, you know, it's a concentration camp, you know, movie. I said, no, it's really not. It, you know, it's only 20 some minutes that deal with the camps, but the 20 some minutes have to be strong enough that you can understand why it haunts him for the better part of his life. Cause he can't, he can't, can't get past it because it's so horrific. But that was the main reason that I ultimately wanted to do it because I thought by today we would say, well, that's post-traumatic stress disorder. You know, we give it a name and the past was like, all right, well, you know, you survived the camps, you get on with life and past is the past. And for many people, whether or not it had to do with the camps, whether it had to do with wars or whatever, uh, the, the past doesn't necessarily just remain in the past. It haunts you in the present. And uh, that's what this man's journey is, is in a sense, he survived, but now how does he ultimately live a life that's ultimately uh, free of the past. I love how you use a journalist looking for Harry's story. It reminds me of Citizen Kane or Lawrence of Arabia. We always have that journalist looking for that story. And his story changes everything for the good and the bad. You know, he's shunned by his own Jewish community, yet all of a sudden he's accepted back into the boxing world. So talk about sacrifices he made by telling his story. Uh Yes, I mean, and you know, look, there are those who say, well, you know, you can't do this or et cetera, et cetera. This is what happened. And he deals with that guilt as well. You know, he, to some, just the fact that they survived, some feel guilty. You know, um, I, I, it's part of the human condition. Some people can go through a war and survive and the war is the, is the past and it's over. And some people cannot let it go. It doesn't have to just even be a war. It could be some kind of an incident that you just can't put in the past. And I thought that makes it an interesting story 
you know, we had enough, we have a lot of problems in life and sometimes the past becomes part of the problem. And uh, I thought that was a worthwhile thing to explore. I love your use of black and white for the concentration camp scenes. I feel that color hides the truth. Well, <laughs> that's well said. <laughs> uh, there had to be extreme uneasiness shooting in the concentration camp scenes. It was uneasy for me to watch it. If it was a newsreel or the survivor, it's all the same to me. I mean, it has that reaction to it. So I can't yeah. imagine being on the set, the costumes, those Nazi drapes, uh, those swastikas. I mean, was there uneasiness on the set? Um, I don't think, uh, to be honest with you, I, I don't think there was that. Uh, but I think that we were obviously well aware of that we're dealing with uh, a horrific uh, moment in time. Uh, the, I, we, we, the, there's no way that you're not aware of uh, that the, these places were, these factories were literally built uh, to find an efficient way to kill people. And, and it's, it, it's frightening to, to think that that existed. You know, we went to Auschwitz and toured it and, you, and that's the first thing that comes to me, my God, they put all these buildings up, they did all these things and they came up with this very efficient way to just literally kill people. And so that, there, there's no way that you can get away from that. Um, and, uh, uh, you, we, we worked rather efficiently and, uh, you know, to get that portion of the movie out of the way. And that's what we did first. We, we did the, those scenes right up front and then we moved, then we actually shut down and then Ben had to gain the weight back for the, the rest of the movie. And as I say, the, the camp stuff is only, you know, literally 20 some cup, 22 minutes of the film or something like that but it needs to be enough so it can haunt them throughout this feature. I was thinking this is, you know, actors look for that defining role of their career and Ben Foster was just amazing. Not only his physical transformation, uh, but also the realism of the boxing scenes. Uh, a lot of training for Ben Foster, pugilistically speaking, of course. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, and he was very, and, and, he's, and he's great at being a student to be taught those things. Because as opposed to in a, a film in Raging Bull or Rocky, you know, those are boxers and they, you know, they learn the technique of it. This, Harry never learned the technique. So he's a bit of a brawler. You know, it doesn't have all of the, you know, uh, you know, the way to move your head, the hands, the, the footwork, et cetera. It doesn't have all of that. So it's, it's a messier way to fight. And at the same time, we have to do a messy way to fight and not get hurt. You know what I mean? Because... He's, he's, he's all over the place taking punches. So, you know, you got to really kind of choreograph uh, that uh, unorthodox awkwardness that, that you basically wouldn't see in, in a regular professional boxing type of film. You know, as I was watching the movie, I, I was trying to figure out exactly what year this was. And then they mentioned on the town and went 1949. <laughs> so, so I got it because it, it could be the 50s. It could be the late 40s. So when you mentioned on the town, I kind of I dated the movie. Uh, good. <laughs> <laughs> and in our final moments, Mr. Levinson, I just wanted to take you back uh, to an 11 year old me in 1977. I'm in the theater by myself. The lights go down and high anxiety started. And uh. 
This is long before I ever saw a Hitchcock film. I was, I've watched that movie a dozen times. The only joke I did get as a kid was the great Jack Riley. When you would walk by the front desk and he would go, oh, Dennis, you know, I mean, something as silly as that from Jack Benny, right? <laughs> I, I, and I, was, I went into college, I went to film school years later and I took Hitchcock courses. So I just think that it's just one of the greatest comedy masterpieces of all time, so. Oh, thank you. Well, Mel is wonderful. He was great to work with. It was sort of like, a, I, I look at her almost like an apprenticeship because for three years we worked together on a silent movie and high anxiety and on a day-to-day -day basis with him. And he's so astoundingly funny and incredibly talented and very, very influential because he was the person who I used to talk about diner and I would tell him diner stories, you know, and he said to me, you know, you should, you should write a script about that. And he kept saying, he'd mentioned it periodically. You ought to write that script about the new diner. And uh, eventually I figured out how to do it. But he was, uh, it, it was a great learning curve for me to spend three years working with him. And then you sort of move on to do your own, on your own stuff. But he, he's a, he's a, a, a credible individual. Well, I'm heading to the Turner Classic Movie Film Festival this weekend. And I understand you're going to be introducing in the cast. You'll be there for a diner, right? I won't be there. You won't be there? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm filming. I'm filming now, so I can't go there. Um, uh, the cast will be there. And uh, I'm trying to figure out how to somehow uh, be a part of it. But unfortunately, I'm in, I'm in New York right now. And uh, so uh, it, it, it's a shame because... You know, when we first did the film, uh, at that point, the studio so hated it that we, we never thought it was ever going to be seen. And uh, it almost wasn't seen. And by the stroke of luck, we, we were able to kind of get out there. And then all of a sudden, the movie started to catch on. But uh, so I also have fondness because it's the first film that I wrote and directed. So it, it's very important to me. Well, you'll be there in spirit, I guarantee you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And finally today, uh, Mr. Levinson, I want to take you back to 1986. Uh, I was, uh, as a teenager, my dad came home one day from meeting with his uh, stockbroker and he threw something on the table. He goes, I got something for your birthday. I'm like, what is it? He got me one share of Silver Screen Partners 2. <laughs> <laughs> and as you know, they were one of the producing companies for Tin Men, you know? Yeah. So I was one of your producers for Tin Men. Did you ever get my notes back then? Some of my suggestions or? Somehow, I don't know what happened. I must have missed it. <laughs> <laughs> I just say, I adore that movie. And I was so proud to be part of it in my little special way. And I love the diner scene. Again, that's what I noticed. You have this knack for writing diner scenes with Bonanza and, and the great Jackie Gale. You know, being a Las Vegas native, I was neighbors with Shecky Green. And so I grew up with all those comedians. And I Dude. loved it. Yeah, I loved, he was, Shecky was my neighbor and Jackie Gale was fantastic. Um, but I just love how, even in The Survivor, you know, when they're having, uh, when DeVito is, is training him for those two days, you have a little picnic bench scene, just like, yeah. it's almost like a, a makeshift diner. So you always yeah. have a signature in your movies. <laughs> yes, so, it was fun to have a little bit of moment of lightness, but they're all talking about, you know, religion and all of those things thrown into that particular scene and they're not, not understanding racism and bigotry and uh, but in a in a in a, a much lighter kind of uh, tone i'm glad you like that 
I loved it. Well, congratulations on the survivor, sir. It was just an incredible experience. And uh, I've really cherished this interview with you. I've been waiting many years. So thank you so much. And let's talk again soon. I hope so. Thank you. Mm -hmm.